Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. My name is Connor, and you are listening to another episode of Film Talks. This week, we got three new topics that we're going to be discussing. One is Amazon's new Lord of the Rings Middle Earth um, TV series, and them hiring an intimacy coordinator, and also looking for actors comfortable with nudity. We're going to be talking about, you know, what what this might mean for the series, what the fans are saying about it, and all that. And then we have uh, an interesting topic I came across on Instagram, and they were they asked the question, "What are easy movies to watch?" And you know, so I, I'm very interested to see you know what kind of movies I can come up with in regards to what could fulfill this category. And then last, we're going to talk about what I'm watching, which in this case is Mayor of East Town. So let's get right into it. Uh, so first off, we have Amazon's Lord of the Rings Middle Earth uh, TV series. I don't know when it's supposed to be out. I, I've, I think I've talked about this before, but... I'm very interested in this. I know they're filming in New Zealand, so they're kind of trying to capitalize on Peter Jackson's series. It is supposed to take place in the Second Age, I believe. So if any of you know um, the, t- the, the time periods of Middle-earth, if, if I have this right, Second Age would be the fall of Numenor, I think, which, you know, that's related to Aragorn and all that, so we're going to see some Sauron before he was an eye and all that stuff, and and uh, uh, kind of the fall of man. I guess the man doesn't really fall, but, like, you have these long-lasting humans, and they get a little greedy, kind of like the Tower of Babylon, and the whole island gets destroyed because of their greed. But we're not talking about what the show is going to be about. We're talking about a very interesting thing. It was reported a while back, and I've just decided to talk about it now, that they hired an intimacy coordinator. And what is an intimacy coordinator? Well, in this day and age, when you're filming uh, very physical, sexual scenes, you hire an intimacy coordinator to make sure everybody is okay and feels safe in what's happening. You know, it used to be that when you didn't have this, it was possible that the director or an actor could take advantage of their co-star in a way that maybe they didn't feel comfortable with. I guess they're taking advantage of them, so of course they wouldn't feel comfortable with it. So the intimacy coordinator was created, so it's kind of like a boundary in between the two actors. So everybody sort of knows what's going on, they've agreed upon what sort of actions they're comfortable with, and all that stuff. And then on top of it, there was a casting call put out for actors comfortable with nudity. So what does this mean? What it tells me is that Amazon, in their Middle Earth TV show... They are trying to Game of Thronesify, I guess, Lord of the Rings, and I think it is a bad call. I really don't agree with it. Uh, it's again completely subjective, but I think very frequently when you throw nudity or sex into a show or a movie, uh, there it doesn't always have a point. There are there are circumstances where you know you have that, and you're like, okay that, you know, maybe, maybe there was a reason for that, like Fifty Shades of Grey. You can't really have a movie like that without nudity, so it just is what it is. 
But, you know, when it comes to Lord of the Rings and all that, where you're kind of basing it off of a, a source material that didn't really have a lot of sex or nudity or, or that kind of, you know, sexy stuff to begin with. So you, that means you're adding stuff. And whenever you're adding something to an author's work, it's always tricky. Like, just look at Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, the first couple seasons was based purely off the book, and they added or changed a couple things that would have that worked better um, with a visual medium. But then the later seasons, they kind of went off on their own, and they were kind of crafting things that they kind of assumed that the books would be going down those paths, but maybe they wouldn't. We don't know. And I think most people would agree that the show was lacking towards the end compared to the beginning because it just didn't have the same elements because you had people adding stuff, a lot of stuff, uh, that, that weren't the original makers of the story. Same thing in this instance. If you're going to use nudity or sex and, and the author put it in to begin with, okay, maybe, maybe it'll work. But... If you're adding it, most likely it's just for sex appeal. And that's so lame. Like, we're, we, we should be above this. Like, there, sex appeal in this day and age where we're constantly talking about body positivity and, you know, uh, treating women not as just objects but as, as people that don't need to be, you know, desired over. Same thing with men and all that. We're still going after sex appeal. I know it works. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. There were people that watched Game of Thrones because, hey, boobs whatever. Also penises in that show, I'm pretty sure. I know Westworld has a lot of penises, but I just, I, I think I think that Lord of the Rings, Middle-Earth, Tolkien, they deserve better. And because of just how well-written that these things were, to just throw in sex appeal is is kind of rude. It's, it's again, a disservice to Tolkien's writings. If, if it needed to be in there, Believe me, he probably would have put it in there, but he didn't. I don't think it would agree with his sensibilities either. He probably would, you know, really dislike the idea that they were going to throw this stuff into his work. Um, so it does make me kind of question, though, if they're willing to go this route with um, sex and nudity and stuff, where else are they going to, you know, kind of cut corners, make weird things in order to make more people watch it? Ugh. It's my hope that we're, we as a people are better than this, that we don't need sex in order to watch a show, but I'm probably wrong. There are probably people who are going to watch this, and the sex was the thing that brought them in, which is sad. I also find it kind of strange, though, that they're trying to in some way connect it to Peter Jackson's series. I don't know if they are, but I would assume they are. How are you going to do that if you're going to just throw in this sort of raunchy, mature, R-rated Game of Thrones material and have it sync up with The Lord of the Rings, where the worst Arwen and Aragorn did was, like, kiss? That's really, like, there was nothing, there, were, there wasn't even any, like, embracing. It was just a kiss and stuff like that. So, I don't know. Interesting to think about. Uh, let me know what you guys think in the comments. Next up, uh, I want to talk about easy movies to watch. And so I was thinking about it. I looked at sort of the movies that they were looking at, and I kind of want to remove that from my brain and kind of, you know, as a fun exercise, do it myself. And so I kind of came up with a couple different uh, subjects that I think a easy movie to watch would have. For instance, it's not too artistic. It's not too thinky. 
last episode, I talked about La La Land. La La Land is definitely an artistic movie that you have to, like, get in the mood for, really try and, like, understand, wrap your head around, and that's not an easy movie to watch. Uh, Greatest Showman, on the other hand, very easy to watch. It's it's very palatable. Uh, the subjects, they're not too extreme, not too thinky, all that stuff. Also, the length of the movie. We don't want something that's too long, like... Um, uh, Avengers Endgame. You could, some might argue that, ooh, Marvel movies, they're kind of easy to watch. Well, Endgame definitely isn't because it's like three hours long. And it's, it, you have to get psyched up for something that long. Um, so I don't think that uh, specifically long movies are easy to watch. So what are sub uh, genres that are easy i would say romance typically or action are are pretty easy to watch horror you got to get psyched up for uh thriller you have to think about mystery think about uh drama uh typically with dramas you really it's just a lot of emotions and it, for me i don't find it easy to jump into something that's really thick and meaty and makes you think about stuff and you're just like oh I, I just want to just shut down not really process and just let my eyes do all the work that's what an easy to watch movie looks like to me and so w- w- what is that well I would say my favorite movie of all time A Knight's Tale starring Heath Ledger that's an easy movie to watch it doesn't make you think too hard it's basically a combination of knights sports movies uh I, I can't think what else, but, but like that kind of vibe, and, and you throw in rock music, like put all those together, that's what you get with A Knight's Tale. It's super easy to watch, super palatable. It's There There aren't a lot of parts in this movie that'll make people think or make people question things. It's not trying to step on any toes, it just is, and that's I love it. Uh, same thing for like John Wick, like action movies, they're not making you go like, hmm, is it okay for him to kill people? And is the bad guy really bad? No, the bad guy's bad. John Wick has to kill him. This is how he kills him. It's simple. It's There's there's an objective, and here's his journey to the objective. Done. Uh, what else? Sports movies. Sports movies are, are give and take. So, like, um, I think... It depends how you handle emotions, I guess, right? Because a lot of times sports movies, they are a little sad, dramatic. A lot of them deal with race issues. Uh, remember the Titans, like that kind of stuff. But if you watch something and like that sort of stuff doesn't weigh on you too much, like I know a lot of people when they when they deal with that racism stuff or, or just overall sadness that it might make it a little boggy for you but if that doesn't do it for you then then um then sports movies are a perfectly easy to watch movie uh, i would also say christmas movies like the santa claus movie like that's not hard to watch that's that's fun family movies a lot of time very easy to watch obviously why because they're trying to appeal to so many people they're not trying to make you question things or or make you think too much because they're dealing with kids as well as adults um princess diaries serendipity uh, romantic movies that are also somewhat family-oriented. And then I think Disney movies. Disney really, they, they know their way around um, easy-to-watch movies. That's kind of the nice thing that I like about Disney Plus is, like, you can just sort of pick whatever, like Monsters, Inc. or whatever. Like, there's there's depth. There's depth in these movies, but you have to, like, want to look for them. 
And that's that's nice. I think that's a, a very easy to watch but complex movie is one that can be complex when you want it, but easy to watch when you want it as well. And you get best of both worlds. And Disney is very good at that. Uh, however, you know, uh, just because it's family doesn't mean that it's easy to watch. For instance, Star Wars, not easy to watch. It's long, it's thinky, especially the prequels. Uh, Marvel movies. Marvel movies are give or, give and take, I guess, because you would say that they're easy to watch because it's, you know, it's just a superhero doing superhero things. But the later ones, they, they're a little tricky because they, they kind of sow little seeds and you get like tidbits and stuff. So you're like, ooh, uh, you know, did, did I forget something? Am I missing something? So there's a lot of stuff to think about with these superhero movies. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got. So uh, pl please do throw some suggestions in in the comments. Let me know what you guys think. What's an easy movie to watch? I know I'll be throwing that up on Instagram or Facebook soon, so I'll be able to hear your answers there as well. And yeah, so that that's my stuff on easy movies to watch. It's a very, very interesting topic, I thought. And uh, I appreciated the question that you know these some of these Instagram accounts are asking. So... Now we get to this part, the What I'm Watching segment about Mayor of Easttown. And uh, this was suggested to me by my, a relative of mine, Josh Dyke. It was literally like a Saturday morning. He was like, hey, you got to check this show out. It's on HBO. I looked it up. It was like six episodes, uh, something around six episodes. They're all about an hour long. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing anything. I binged the whole thing in like two days and I loved it really 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 loved it there's some weird stuff to it but um you know how i'm gonna this is how i'm gonna break down my review for this in the beginning i'm gonna do my segment for newer viewers and then after that i'll talk about more spoiler things so you don't have to worry about spoilers until later on for my new viewers there are a couple uh, ideas that i like to question when i'm trying to review something i'm trying to see if i really liked it so uh, the first thing I like to ask is, um, was the movie or the show bloated or rushed in any way? And in this show, no. Pacing, ooh, pacing is so tight. Miniseries are so great with pacing because they're, they're never trying to, well, typically, they're never trying to set something up for the future. They're, they're always just, here's the story and here are the amount of episodes I need. It's kind of like if they were trying to make a movie but they were like, hey, we need a little more time than a movie would give us. So you get the good character development of a TV show, but you get the tight story of a movie. And it's best of both worlds. And so pacing, oh, so good in this show. Just, oh, wonderful. Uh, I also like movies or TV shows that have characters with motivations that I can relate with. The super, the awesome thing about this show is I think it perfectly captures the... Uh, the small town feel perfectly because just everyone is so close to each other and it, it makes it so fun because you're able to see the interactions of two members of the community that probably in a regular TV show you wouldn't even like there would just be no name people in the show. Uh, but in this instance, you're like, oh, that's that old lady who's down the street and all that stuff. So it makes it really cool, especially in a murder kind of show, because it 
it adds to kind of the the scariness of it all because you you know people if just a random person dies you're kind of just like ah it's kind of like that line in the dark knight when the joker talks about you know if you expect somebody to die it's not chaotic it's not scary but if you're like hey here's a couple people who weren't supposed to die and now they're gonna die you're like whoa i wasn't expecting that but i i I care for those people they're not some no-name random people you're like oh i i have i have love for those characters don't kill them like that kind of thing so uh i i love how you're able every character gets a little bit of time on screen and then back to the small town vibe like there's this great part where Kate Winslet she like goes down uh goes to her backyard and she's like I'm going to go see my ex-husband and she just walks across the yard and the the house neighboring hers is her ex-husband's house and I'm like this is perfect because it like everybody is so close and typically in these kinds of shows if you're like hey I'm going to go see my ex-husband there'd be a cut a commercial break and then a, a long drive to the other house a little discussion boom now we're at the house no she's just like walking over across the yard and i just i love that and they're all you have all these friends and different relationships and it it makes it feel so real so raw and in a true crime kind of show like this it really helps because just adds to the drama of it all and it helps to the 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 mystery aspect because though you know in a true crime you're always trying to figure out who committed the crime and if you're seeing all these murder uh, essentially murder suspects and you don't know who's telling the truth who's not who's actually a nice little old lady and who's some killer who's just grabbing girls off the street and killing them um so I think, uh, do the characters have realistic motivations? Do they feel like real people? Heck yeah. Awesome thing about this show. I, I think it's also a little, they capture a kind of sad aspect of the Northeast. This, I think it's set in Pennsylvania. There's a town, East Town in Pennsylvania, I believe. And I, I really do feel like there's a type of vibe, a, a, a tone to white poverty in the northeast and maybe it's just because i've experienced it and not other kinds but when i see like louisiana poverty or like those you know those people on the bayou uh in the south and stuff like that that has a kind of vibe a kind of culture to it that i don't feel like i see a lot in the northeast typically when you're watching a, a tv show and you see poor people in the northeast they're depressed they're probably on drugs and they're not like it's not a story of them overcoming their poverty they're just like yep i'm poor and you know it is what it is let's go drink like that kind of thing i feel like a lot of times if you're watching some sort of show or a tv or a movie like that where you have maybe poor people in harlem the the story is going to be about those people being like okay we're poor but here's how we're going to get out of poverty whether it's legal or illegal you know it just is what it is but i feel like you know that's typically those kinds of stories but the northeast poor white people is just pure depression like there was this one movie i think it was called manchester by the sea with casey affleck and it's that same sort of setting i think it's like in maine or maybe new hampshire kind of area and it's just depressing it just is i don't understand it but watching this show you're just like oh it's a tight-knit community but it looks really depressing to be a part of that community so yes answer to that one relatable uh whether you like the characters or not they feel like real people Um, I also like mentioning that movies and TV shows, they shouldn't draw attention to the fact that they're a movie 
um, whether through camera work or CGI or anything like that. I know that a lot of these actors, they had to put on this accent. And I will tell you, watching the show, I barely recognize that they were putting on accents. I think it's kind of funny watching behind the scenes how many of them are English and it, it doesn't phase me at all. Like it just felt like it was their natural accent and it wasn't, it didn't raise any red flags where I was like, oh, they're, they're trying to put on characters. They felt so real and so broken like real people are just you're, like you just feel bad for them and you're like, oh, that could be me one day. And I really hope it's not because that's depressing. But, uh, so like the accents, I feel like that really could have easily given away that it's a TV show. Uh, but it doesn't. It went really well. Same thing with the small town vibe. I think they captured it perfectly. It never felt like a forced small town. It truly felt like how towns feel when everybody knows each other and all that. Um, and then I guess the last thing I'll mention is my favorite my favorite movies and TV shows are ones that I can rewatch over and over again because of my love for the characters. Do I love these characters? I don't know. Like, I, I think the story is so great. I love the acting in this. Kate Winslet, I normally don't like Kate Winslet in anything. There are a couple of things I've seen her in, like Titanic. Uh, oh, what else have I seen her in? Uh, oh, the, the Sunshine of the Spotless Mind movie with Jim Carrey. Uh, I just normally don't like her stuff, but this one, ooh, love that character. But I don't know if this is the kind of show I would rewatch. It's it's short enough that I don't think the length of it is daunting, but I think the because of it, it's a true crime kind of mystery thing. Once you know the mystery, is there really a desire to rewatch it? Maybe. So you can kind of see the the seeds that were planted, or if they weren't planted and they just sort of like threw out the the ending. So maybe that's something to rewatch for. But to rewatch for me, I typically like to do it for the characters. And I don't know if I want to revisit them because they're so sad. Like they're realistic, but they're just so depressing that you're kind of like, it's it's. We just talked about easy-to-watch movies. It's not easy to watch. And I think when you're re-watching something, you want to feel that easiness where you're just sort of like jumping back into this world. This one, you're kind of like, oh, I, I stopped midway through because I had to go to bed and I could feel my mood just sort of being affected by this show. And that sort of type of show, movie, is very hard to re-watch for me. So I don't know if it gets that re-watch category, but the one, two, three... Uh, so I guess the the other three categories perfectly fine. I don't know if it gets the fourth one, but I do I do recommend it because I I love the story. I think uh, all these categories it really check marks. And in regards to rewatching it, you might check that. So give it a try. It's on HBO Max or HBO. I think it's on both. Um, I may be wrong. Double check me on that. And uh, so yeah, that's my you know segment for those newer people that haven't watched it. So let me get into the spoiler section because there's a lot to talk about because it's a mystery. And who doesn't love talking about mysteries after you've figured it out? Well, I didn't figure it out because holy crap, there were like three, uh, not even red herrings. It was super cool how they handled this mystery because typically I feel like when you're doing like misdirection, they're kind of like, oh, they're like, uh, here's the killer, and then 
And then, you know, it goes through court and they're like, yeah, he's in prison. And then at the end, they're like, but maybe it's a different guy. And, you know, that, that always kind of, you know, makes it feel like the rest of the show is kind of worthless because they caught the wrong guy. And this one, I don't think they very frequently catch the wrong guy. They catch people that were withholding information and are all pieces of the puzzle in some way. I was a little nervous when they t started, like, uh, investigating the priest, the priest, because I was like, oh, please don't make this another murder rapist kind of show where the priest is the one who did it. It's so cliche and annoying at this point. It's like, of course, he'd be, you know, the number one guy you'd look at. Uh, but he ended up being completely fine. Well, not fine. He did have a history of that sort of behavior, but in this instance, he wasn't the one who killed the girl. He actually tried to help the girl. And then you, you get to the actual killer, and that blew my mind. Like, at, at first, they were like, it's this, her uncle is the one who killed her. And then you find out that the other uncle is the one who killed her. And then you figure out that it wasn't any, it wasn't either of the uncles. It was the, one of the uncle's kids who killed her. And I was like, Boosh, mind blown. Loved, I loved the reveal of that. That was so cool. And I don't know if it was unexpected either, because I feel like I remember seeds of it planted where the kid was not okay, and they kind of cut away at weird times, where it wasn't weird when you're watching it, where you're like, okay, I know where this is going. But in these kinds of shows, they don't typically do that unless they're withholding information, right? Like, you should never take anything for granted in a mystery. You're always trying to think, where are the parts that they're trying to hide from me? And those conversations where you're not getting an answer, but you expect the answer, and then they cut to another scene. You have to assume, hey, that was something I should have heard, and now they're trying to throw a misdirection at me, probably. So it's just something to look out for in these mysteries and all that stuff. Um, let me see, what else do I want to talk about? Uh, Kate Winslet, I already talked about. She's great. Jean Smart, she was in the Watchmen TV show on HBO. She's also been in other stuff. But I've started loving her. She is hilarious. As this, There's that one part where they talk about where the guy is at his wife's funeral or, or wake or whatever you want to call it. And then he talks about how he had an affair with Jean Smart and the reactions and all this stuff. And just the way that Kate Winslet and Jean Smart kind of like go at each other very aggressively but comedically. Oh, I love it. The relationships were all great. I love a lot of the co conclusions to these stories. Here's something I didn't like was that there's this big rivalry between Kate Winslet and the mother of her grandson. Um, and she's always trying to maintain custody of the grandson so the mother doesn't get it. And then it gets to the very end and the mother gives up the right to keep her kid because she doesn't think that she can handle it with her drug use and all that stuff, which is, you know, fine. So the mother takes a step towards the good side. But the grandmother, Kate Winslet, she never, like, goes back to the mother and, like, says something. I was always hoping, like, that's what would happen. Like, we get that reconciliation where the where Kate Winslet finally goes up to the attic and she she finally faces the location where her son committed suicide. And I was like, okay, things are going good. Now she's going to go see the mother, put things right with her. But she never does that. And it was very conflicting for me because I'm like, I want that to be tied up because they were doing a lot of like nice bows on everything. And that felt like an open wound still. And I don't like it when that happens. So I wish that they had done more with that, but they didn't. Um... The, I always forget this guy's name, but he was Quicksilver in the X-Men movies, and 
he was in um, American Horror Story, but when he died, shocking. I was like, oh, how is he dead? Like, like they just, just bang. And I was like, oh, and that was like in the middle of the season. And I was like, oh, he was so fun, but I guess somebody has to die. And it's always, you know, kind of sad. Cause then again, that's another open wound where you're like, hey, there's no nice bow on that. He's just dead. Um, what else? Um, Guy Pierce, who I brought up to my mom, and apparently she has no idea who Guy Pierce is. I'm gonna throw his face up on the YouTube video. I don't know who you, who doesn't know who Guy Pierce is. He looks so old though. I thought it was makeup, but then they showed a behind the scenes thing. He just has his old hair. He's wrinkly. He's, he's an old guy, and it's crazy. Cause what? It's been like. Uh, I just watched a memento with him in it. That was what, like 20 years ago? I guess people age in 20 years. I've, I used to be a baby. So, <laughs> so 20 years, I guess is a long time, but it's just so weird to see somebody like that. Who's, who I kind of grew up with him being that good looking guy. And now he's old. And it's, I, was, I was like, Oh no, he's, he's an old man, but he's still playing that Casanova type character that he always plays. So I, I really, I really love the relationships with all of it and the drama. It's so, it's very, it's a thick show where you're just like, oh, you're trying to just get through it so you can get to the mysteries. I loved how they ended each episode with a cliffhanger to make you want to watch the next thing where you get like new information, like basically at the end of every episode, you're like, oh, I need to watch more. It's very bingeable, um, which I guess is hard because HBO Max, I think they release once a week. So this must've been a hard show to watch. Um... But thank you, Josh, for you know asking me to review this and talk about it, or even just watch it. It was super fun to watch, uh, very interesting. Loved the mystery. I f I felt like the mystery was complete for me. I didn't feel like I was missing anything from that aspect of it. I was a little amazed that they went the route that the kid was the murderer, um, but the way that they did it, the they, they had a little thing, like in the beginning of the season, they start off with, they start off with these old people, and they're talking about how they have a camera that they have to hook up, and then at the end, that camera is the thing that gets the information about the killer that they need, and I was like, ooh, that's a nice bow, I love it when that happens. Um, the, the, f I guess where, where the thickness comes from the show is just the, the drama behind all this family, the brokenness, there's suicide, there's death there's murderers there's rapists there's there's all this stuff and you're just like oh and mix that with a, a a town that feels real with characters that feel real and it feels like it's just a true story and you're just like oh this feels so terrible because you know in some way you feel like they're real people which you know good on them that's what you need in a show and it worked so, uh, yeah, that's all I really wanted to talk about with this show, Mayor of Easttown. And yeah, so uh, one thing I do want to mention before I end this episode is uh, I had some social posts from last week about some topics I, ta I talked about in last episode, like the uh, Velma TV show, the adult animation one. So I want to talk about what you guys mentioned. So Zach Brannon, he said it was a cash grab, all right? He's going all in. He's like, oh, this is garbage. It's a cash grab kind of show. It, it probably is. I mean, that's how it goes. Like, they're, they're, they're checking all the boxes where they're like, hey, uh, we don't know what we're doing. Let's just check this out. I'm, maybe that doesn't mean it's a cash grab. I think this is just a gamble where they're just like, I don't know what else to do with Scooby-Doo. Let's try this. 
Um, Dan Riddell, he says, Velma is the least memorable character of the bunch. Wholly agree. It's Scooby and Shaggy for the win all the time. Uh, and my dad does two thumbs down. So I agree with him as well. <laughs> um, and then I asked, Greatest Showman or La La Land, which one was your favorite? And my mom said, it's di- it's a difficult choice, but she's going Greatest Showman. My Aunt Shelly, she said Greatest Showman forever in caps. Definitely a big Greatest Showman person. Um, my cousin Aaron, who just got married, congratulations, by the way. Uh, she said 100% Greatest Showman. Cheyenne Rivera, she said La La Land with a dancing lady emoji. So, you know. She's definitely digging that movie. Mishler Hippolyte, La La Land, of course. I know he loves that movie. We used to sing the songs all the time. He watched it at least twice, I know. Um, Brittany Kim, she says, Showman with four exclamation points. My Aunt Beth says, Greatest Showman with three exclamation points. And then Maddie Gonzalez, she says, It's difficult again, but she's going to go La La Land. So a bit mixed. I think we got a couple more Greatest Showmans than La La Land. But it just shows, again, maybe I'm a little right. It's a little divisive, or maybe it's not divisive. But I guess there's a mixed results in terms of what people like and what they don't like. I'm still going La La Land, but I I wholly respect the people that like Greatest Showman. It's super easy to watch. It's palatable. It's a family movie. It's super fun to listen to, and the music is great. So, yeah, thank you all for watching. Um, You can check me out, Film, Film Talks, on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Google, uh, Apple, all that stuff. Um, you can check me out, film.talks official, Instagram and Facebook, and leave me comments and all that. I usually post Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then on Saturday I release the full episode, so you can you know listen to that on Saturday, and you can expect that every week. And yeah, I hope you, you like my stuff, subscribe, follow me, all that jazz. Uh, I hope you all have a great week. So long.